Welcome to Thursday on the Piero Pelka Podcast. Mike here, and it's going to be a busy, busy day. A busy weekend ahead. Tomorrow I'm actually back on radio in Philadelphia sitting in for Dom Giordano on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. You can listen on the Odyssey app. It's free. So you should do that. And you must do that. And then again Saturday night. And then all next week, I am in for the great Chris Plant all across America. I'll give you details on that as we approach. It is Thursday. It is a day that has a a gray cloud over it. As um, we've all been told that the the submersible, the mini-sub, if you will, that went down to see the Titanic with five people aboard, the captain and or pilot, as they're calling him, and the uh, five travelers are probably out of oxygen at this point. And I had a talk with our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic, and I asked him if, if their ending without oxygen would be like that of um, the late golfer Payne Stewart when his plane depressurized years ago, and we were told they all just went to sleep. Well, it's not the case. It's a pretty horrific thing. So if you're a person of faith, maybe you say a prayer or two for the families of those who are likely lost. And if, um, if news breaks that they've discovered the craft while I'm recording this, let's hope there's a miracle and maybe they're alive. Or at least their families can retrieve the bodies of their loved ones and have a dignified and decent farewell for them. It's a a horrible, horrible situation. And to the weasels who are out there saying things like, well, that that guy, the pilot, deserves to die because he gave to Republicans. Dear God, have you no humanity? Have you no decency? I know. I know. Uh, Yesterday was a big day in Washington, D.C. We had hearings, hearings, hearings. You had had the hearings that involved in the Senate. uh, Riley Gaines talking about how uh, women, especially women in athletics, need to be respected and protected. We'll get to that briefly. You had the big House hearing and uh, the the questioning of uh, John Durham about his report and his investigation. And I, I think we should start, though, with something that happened late last night, because it's just it's just a minute of schadenfreude, you know, that schadenfreude word, the pleasure we take at the misfortune of others. And the misfortune of others is very specific today. It's the misfortune of Adam Schiff for brains. Adam Schiff from the 30th Congressional District of California, the guy who wants to... Uh, become a member of the Senate, and uh, I, I hope that's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to fundraise, uh, fundraise off this, but last night, Adam Schiff was censured. This happened. By its adoption of House Resolution 521, the House is resolved. That the House of Representatives censures Adam Schiff, representative of the 30th Congressional District of California. For misleading the American public. And for, and for conduct unbecoming of an elected member of the House of Representatives. 
that Representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. Now, I'm going to let it go because there's a little more here. But Kevin McCarthy, come on, the guy's name is Adam Schiff. He keeps saying Adam Schiff, and he's reading. So is it written Adam Schiff? Could Adam Schiff say, hey, uh, you didn't censure me. You censured someone named Adam Schiff. Get it right, for God's sakes, man. Let's wind it back a couple of seconds and see if I'm wrong. I think he keeps saying Adam Schiff. The representative Adam Schiff will be forthwith yep. present himself in the well of the House of Representatives for the pronouncement of censure. That representative Adam Schiff will be censured with the public reading. Hey, Schiff happens. This resolution by the speaker. And that the Committee on Ethics shall conduct an investigation into Representative Adam Schiff's falsehoods, misrepresentations, and abuse of sensitive information. And there it is. The gavel drops. And then the fundraising begins. Adam Schiff was out in the halls right after it. And, and he's, he's bragging on this. Yeah. <laughs> what a weasel. I take it as a badge of honor because... Uh, this says that I'm effective. Uh, they go after people that they think are effective. Uh, I exposed the corruption of the former president. I led the first impeachment trial of the former president to the first bipartisan vote to remove a president in U.S. history. Uh, and I'm proud of that work. And I- Yeah, sure. And I'm going to fundraise on it. Oh, what a weasel. He is a, a class A weasel, if there's a class for weasels. Speaking of weasels, Democrat Representative Steve Cohen yesterday. Cohen's a weasel. He's a jack wagon. And uh, he went after John Durham during Durham's testimony yesterday. And uh, Durham, well, look, I'm not happy with everything that came out of the Durham investigation. I wanted more, more, more like the Andrea True connection. More, more, more. I wanted more indictments. I wanted more exposure of the Dems and the FBI and the DOJ trying to effectively remove a president, trying to change an election. Well, yesterday when uh, Cohen, the weasel, was going after John Durham, John Durham gave him a perfect response. I tried to follow your report. Mr. Donald Trump Jr. would have called it a, a nothing burger. You got no convictions. You got nothing. It was all set up to hurt the Mueller report, which was correct and was redacted, to hurt the Bidens and to help Trump. And you were a part of it. You have a good reputation. You had a good reputation. That's why the two Democrats supported you. But the longer you hold on to Mr. Barr and this report that Mr. Barr gave you as special counsel, your reputation will be damaged. As everybody's reputation who gets involved with Donald Trump is damaged, he's damaged goods, there's no good dealing with him because you will end up on the bottom of a pyre. I yield back the balance of my time. Sure. Can we um, presume the gentleman's undecided on on how he feels about the former president? (laughs) Gentlemen, witness can respond. Yeah, my uh, concern about my reputation is with uh, the people who I respect and my family and my Lord. And I'm Perfectly comfortable with my reputation with them, sir. Well said. God bless you. Yeah, nicely done. Got a little round of applause after that, too. Well done, Mr. Durham. Very well done. Uh, Mr. Durham also gave some uh, 
Very interesting testimony about the FBI agents who he had worked with over the years, some of them no longer employed by the FBI, who actually apologized for the hoax. Let me, let me um, give you some real-life um, views on that. I have had um, any number of FBI agents um, who I've worked with over the years, some of them are retired, some are still in place, who have come to me and apologized for the manner in which uh, that investigation was undertaken. I take that seriously. These are good, hardworking, the majority of people in the FBI, decent human beings who swear uh, under their oaths to uh, abide by the law and, and the like. And uh, I think that, that um, typifies, exemplifies of, uh, the, of the concern here. Um, there, is, uh, there are investigative activities undertaken or not undertaken here uh, which raise real concerns about whether or not the law was followed, the policies in place, the FBI were followed. So it does sound like what we've thought for years now, that the FBI, the rank-and-file membership of the FBI, the men and women in the field, that they are not a problem, but it's the leadership. It's that one floor of executives who have been in league with the Biden administration, the Democrats, who tried to prevent Donald Trump from winning, and then once he won, tried to destroy his presidency from the inside. Another member of the Democratic Party, also a weasel, more of a Batman villain we call the Waddler, is Jerry Nadler. He has trouble with facts. Ms. Durham, your investigation cost more than $6.5 million dollars involved the work of dozens of FBI employees and federal prosecutors, some of whom resigned in protest and took roughly four years to complete. Is that correct? No. It's not correct. No, I mean, there were multiple parts of that. Did it take four years to complete? Correct. So he got one thing right, did Jerry Nadler. One thing good for you, Jer. (laughs) These people, they are laughable, are they not? They certainly are. Speaking of laughable, I want to pivot over to uh, the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. Uh, She really is an embarrassment, is she not? Uh, The Australian news lady, who we haven't played her in a long time, she's got the perfect characterization of Kamala Harris. The cackling nincompoop who is a heartbeat away (laughs) from the presidency, the comprehensively incapable Kamala Harris. Yes, comprehensively incapable, but back on the ticket again with Joey, unless something happens and Joey has to get out and someone else has to take the lead or several someones. Kamala Harris appearing on a podcast recently, and uh, she told a story that I don't think she even understands. There is an old story which has been proven wrong. It has been totally debunked. The story that if you put a frog in a pot of lukewarm water and you slowly turn up the heat, the frog won't notice it. It'll stay in there and it will die. It will be cooked. And while slow boiling a frog makes delicious frog legs, it's not true. A live frog will jump out of the water once it gets too hot. They actually have tested it several times over. But Kamala tried to make it a lesson. Turns out to be nonsense from her. Um, I think of those two frogs, you know, the two frogs in the two pots. So <laughs> for, your, for your listeners, here it goes. So there are two pots of water and two frogs. 
And in one pot, you put the frog in the water and you slowly turn up the heat. And that frog's just hanging out as the heat just slowly gets hotter to the mm. point that that water starts to boil and that frog perishes. In the other pot of water, you first turn up the heat real high. The water is boiling. You drop that frog in. He'll jump right out. Mm. The lesson there, as far as I'm concerned, don't be that first frog. Yeah, don't be that first frog, which isn't even really a lesson. Uh, I have to say, though, um, she was on with uh, Joy Reid. Ironically named Joy Reid. Someone who has no joy in their life, and their heart. Uh, she was on with Joy Reid on a special panel show. And they were focusing on a year after Roe v. Wade was overturned. And the actually, Roe v. Wade was not overturned. The right to restrict abortion was given back to the states where it belonged. But the Democrats don't understand that. So they had an after post Roe, as they called it, special. And Kamala Harris brought something up that I think she didn't understand how ironic it is that she would say this because this administration, this this Democrat led Biden administration has been after so many of our freedoms and individual rights. They have come after us on every level as small businesses under attack with all the, the rules and regulations. And they've they've tried to mold the country using departmental rules and not actual laws. And now we're seeing those get overturned by the courts, which is a good thing. But uh, Kamala actually told us that we really shouldn't have the government in our business. Now, they meant it all as it relates to abortion. But it's really a policy we wish they would follow everywhere that the government needs to get the hell out of the way. This is a foundational principle for our country. We were founded on the notion that government should at some point stay out of people's business. Yes. Like at all points, stay out of people's business. Get out of my business. That's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. And then her boss, Joey, Joey Biden, uh, whose son got the biggest sweetheart deal of all and now Many on the left are trying to convince us. They're trying to tell us that, no, Hunter got a harsh sentence. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And we have more on Hunter because the unredacted uh, whistleblower form was released earlier today. And that's got some special stuff in it. But uh, last week, Joe Biden attended something called the Safer Community Summit up in Connecticut, where um, he began his events for his campaign. And he also got a bunch of donor money and... He started the push to get the guns out of the hands of legal gun owners. This is what the Democrats are all about. Now, let's remember, Joe's son lied on an ATF form when he bought a gun. That was a felony. And then his daughter-in-law threw it away in a trash can near a school, also a felony. And the Secret Service was called in to cover it up. And then they went after the gun shop and tried to get the uh, the form so they could hide the whole thing. Hmm. Joe Biden wants us to know that every gun owner really has to play by the same rules. Right, Joey? Right? 
These are common sense requirements. All gun owners should follow. Every gun owner should be required to have the same requirements held to him or her. Yeah, every gun owner. And they, they all clap, but then Joe's son gets to skate. He's out there skating away. Just skating away. Thank you, Joey. Speaking of Joe Biden, you know the Inflation Reduction Act? Uh, we've mocked it. Lots of us have mocked it because it's not reducing inflation. What it's reducing is all kinds of business opportunities to grow businesses in America. And uh, one of Biden's economic advisors was on CNBC earlier. <laughs> it's laughable. I think he said the quiet part out loud. Jared Bernstein, who is an economist that advises uh, Joe Biden, was asked about what's going on with the economy and and what's the agenda going forward. And if you pay attention, you hear him saying the quiet part out loud. In fact, if you look at the Investment Reduction Act, the subsidies to private businesses investing in climate, investing in resilient supply chains, investing in uh, in healthcare, uh, those subsidies are are very very substantial. What yeah, okay, we know about the subsidies. But what did you call What did you call this? It's the Inflation Reduction Act, right? Right? The Inflation Reduction Act is isn't that that what this is called? Mr. Bernstein, because based on my research and my understanding, that's what it is. In fact, if you look at the Investment Reduction Act. Aha, it is the Investment Reduction Act. He said the quiet part out loud. Talk about a Freudian slip, if there ever was one. A Freudian slip. Boy, oh boy, they are a dangerous group, are they not? A very dangerous group. And yesterday over in the Senate... um, Riley Gaines just put on a show. Riley Gaines, who is such a warrior. Riley Gaines, who should get the cover of every, quote, woman's magazine, close quote, in this country. She is the one standing up and fighting for women like no one has ever fought for women before. It is remarkable. It is so powerful. And her testimony, which is really meant to help women, The left is just avoiding it. Why? Because it works against their narrative. I don't get this. I really don't get this, how women are are not standing next to her and supporting her shoulder to shoulder. Here's a little bit of Riley Gaines giving some knowledge to Senator Dick Durbin. And that's, that's the traumatizing part. Of course, the experience in and of the locker room itself is traumatizing, but I think for me... It was so easy for them to dismiss our rights to privacy. Um, Senator Durbin, in, in your opening statement, you had mentioned this rhetoric. It's, um, you had mentioned that, what message does it send to trans individuals? And my combat to that is, what message does this send to women, to young girls who are denied of these opportunities? So easily their rights to privacy and safety thrown out of the window to protect a small population, protect one group as long as they're happy. What about us? That is the overall general consensus of how we all felt in that locker room. She is the bravest. And truly, the women's magazines, if you're not honoring Riley Gaines, you are not a woman's magazine. You're pretty much against women. It just makes sense. 
The other story that I mentioned earlier I want to get to, um, and, and we'll do some more deep dives on some of the other things, like there's a new Pew Research study, and if you haven't seen the latest Pew Research polling data, I'll just break down a little bit of this here, right here. Uh, Pew put out a new poll data that covers many different topics, polling data. They talk to Democrats and Republicans on topics like inflation, affordability of health care, drug addiction, gun violence, violent crime, the deficit, illegal immigration. And it points out things that are pretty obvious. And, and you can say, for example, illegal immigration. And you know it's a hot topic with conservatives, not so hot with liberals. But I contend that we shouldn't pay attention to those topics as much as we should pay attention to the, the issues where the left and the right are the closest. The next election is going to be decided in the middle. The independents and the people who are, you know, kind of on the left side of the GOP and the right side of the Democratic Party, they're the ones who are going to make the decisions here. The fringes are a smaller minority. And so it's really important for us to look at what's in the middle and talk about subjects like education and the quality of public education. Now, we may differ on how to get there, but if you can get the parents involved and get them over to your side, and it truly is, it truly is common sense that will make this work. That's one of the issues. That's one of the issues where we are closest. The other one is violent crime. The other one is drug addiction. And the big issue, the candidate who truly can get both sides to work together. Joe Biden said he would. He hasn't been able to do that. But the candidate who truly can get both sides to work together, I believe, will be the candidate and the party that will win 502 days from today. Just throwing that out there. I also mentioned this earlier. The um, the unredacted FD 1023 was released today. The one from the whistleblower that said the Biden crime family was getting five million for Joey and five million for Hunter. Well, the details are out there. And and it's in there. And every you can tell it's real because the Burisma executive refers to Hunter uh, as dumb. So you know it's accurate. You know this isn't something somebody made up. That's that's obviously ac- accurate. The confidential source. Uh, one time suggested to the Burisma executive that he should pay the Bidens $50,000 each. The Burisma executive, according to the document, replied, it's not $50,000, it's $5 million. $5 million for one Biden, $5 million for the other Biden. How does this not get investigated? Stay tuned. Grassley and company are going to turn up the heat on this. Uh, there's some good news. Our friends at UncoverDC.com, Tracy Beans and UncoverDC.com, are reporting that uh, General Michael Flynn, who's suing the United States, and he should be suing them for a boatload of money for what they did to him, uh, his case will remain in Florida. The DOJ was trying to get it moved, trying to get it put in, uh, in uh, a Washington court where you know you won't get a fair trial. Well, it's going to stay in the Middle District of Florida, Tampa Division. That's great news for General Flynn, who deserves great news. All right, on this crazy day, on this wild Thursday, I do think we need some help. 
We need some common sense. We need some winner's wisdom. So my buddy Jim Stovall, the guy behind the Narrative Television Network, the blind guy who's written more than 50 books, he's had five movies made from them. He travels around the country and the world giving inspirational, motivational speeches. How does Jim Stovall do it? I swear he has a clone. Jim Stovall, welcome back, my friend. Do you have a clone, sir? I do. This is me, the clone, talking right now. It's the only... uh, the, the real Jim won't won't uh, hook up with Opelka on the line. So, yeah, this is the clone here. I'm glad. I've got A.I. Stovall with us today, and he's got a, a tolerance program built in to deal with me. Jim, this week's column is uh, is one that it strikes at the heart of every parent who's had to deal with a child that doesn't want to eat their vegetables and make some interesting negotiations. But it also relates to adults. It's called Rewards and punishment, reward and punishment. What are we learning, sir? Well, you know, it's interesting. And this column all came about, I was at my uh, country club the other day having a wonderful dinner prepared by a world-class chef, and I'm eating these green bean almondine. And I'm, as I'm eating these green beans, I thought, wow, these are good, and why am I I'm having all these feelings. And then I remember a phrase from my childhood. If you eat your green beans, then you get ice cream. And, you know, and it, and it got me to thinking, and, you know, when you're a columnist uh, for 25 years, you, uh, you know, you have to take inspiration where you get it. So a green bean did it for me here. But, you know, the, 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 the point is that, you know, we have a tendency to take the things that are really good for us and label them as punishment and then take the things that are really bad for us and label them as a reward. And, you know, and I remember that in my early childhood. Later, when I was a teenager and young adult, I spent my life as an athlete, and the same thing happened. You know, you would go in, if the coach was happy with you, you'd get a light workout or a day off. If the coach is mad at you, you have to run more and lift weights. And I'm thinking, well, no, that's what makes you good. (laughs) I mean, and can we find a way to enjoy the things that are good for us and, and, and moderate the things that are not necessarily as good for us. But when we label them as this is punishment um, and, and, and these things that are bad for us, now there's a reward. You know, you can just go be, you know, take a day off, be sedentary, eat bad stuff, do whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, that, that's just, you know, long term, that's not a plan. And, you know, if we could uh, train our kids and train ourselves to uh, appreciate and enjoy the things that are good for us as part of the process, I think we'd go a lot further, a lot faster. Yeah, it, it seems like it is upside down or inside out. And and coming from the perspective of someone like yourself who understood the long-term benefits of the harder work, of the lifting of weights, of the running more, et cetera, it, it means more. And as a weekend warrior, as I have been for pretty much all my life, uh, I'm just trying to get in shape and be healthy. And there's dangers in just doing that on the weekend. And there are benefits to being a little more consistent, having a plan and doing those those uh, tougher things throughout the week and maybe making yourself a weekend warrior for the cheat day. And I, I know yeah. friends of mine who say, I work hard all week in the gym or on the track or whatever. And then I get one day, one day only, I can sleep in. I can have that ice cream. I can have that beer, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we have got it wrong. So how do we flip the script? How do we, how do we get people to realize it? Is it just talking about it? Well, I think, I think to make the things 
that are good for us that we don't necessarily like a little more tolerable. You know, a lot of weekend warriors, they go from sitting on the couch eating Oreos to I'm going to go run a marathon this weekend. And, you know, take a nice walk. I mean, you know, experts will tell you that, uh, you know, you'll get the, the majority of the benefit of the workout by just taking a nice walk, do it at a great time of the day that you enjoy, go somewhere you like and do it. You know, when you're going to have your vegetables or foods that are good for you, have them prepared well. I mean, it's an art form, and it's really, really good. And, you know, and so make the things that are good for you less objectionable and I think you'll really, really, uh, you know, start to enjoy it. But we have a tendency to go from zero to 100, and we want to, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, we're going to go kill it this weekend. And, you know, we've got to look at things. It's not what can you do for one day or one weekend. It's what's sustainable for the rest of your life. What can you live with? Because there's all these amazing, you know, diet plans, you know, the 30-day diet, you're guaranteed to lose a month or whatever it is. And, you know, at the end of the time, you realize, okay, everybody would lose weight if they did that, but, um, you know, that's not sustainable, you know. But when you do something that's more moderate and you think, you know, I can live with this. This this is something I can enjoy. And I think just to make it a little more part of the process, and my late great friend and colleague Zig Ziglar always used to say, you don't pay the price for success. You enjoy the price for success. You pay the price for failure. And if you see the work you're putting in or the good habits you're putting in as part of an overall process, uh, you know, I think they all become a lot more enjoyable. Whether it's uh, a diet, whether it's financial success or failure, it, it is inverted in most of the messages we get. But it's really simple to flip that script. And look mm-hmm. at the, the uh, boy, that Zig Ziglar quote's vexing me right now. It's a great quote. You pay the price for failure. That is so true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not tough, people. Jim's bringing up great and simple advice. If you want to eat better, make the food better because <laughs> it, it's not tough to do. It can be done. If you want to be healthier, you don't have to go out and run 10 miles today. You can walk for 20 minutes every day. Walk, not run. And it will mm-hmm. add up. It builds just like compound interest. Jim Stovall, I so appreciate you each and every week, and I encourage people, go to jimstovall.com and sign up and get the Winner's Wisdom column in your inbox every single week. It's free, and it will pay off in the long run, just like that 20-minute walk. Thank you, my friend. Hey, the clone will be back with you next week. <laughs> 